The rules we grew up with were never meant for us. It's time for a change. Welcome to Becoming Wild. This podcast will support you in untethering from conditioning, examining limiting beliefs around womanhood and value, and tapping into your innate power. Because when women embody our truest, wildest selves, we change much more than our own lives. We change the world. I'm your host, Emma Wittard. Hello, welcome to episode two of Becoming Wild. I'm your host, Emma Wittard, and I'm coming to you today from Pasadena, California. This is our second episode dedicated to unlearning. What is unlearning? Well, when we're born, we're born into a culture. And that culture has societal rules and expectations. Many of them are unwritten. But we get this messaging as soon as we become aware of the world around us. We see how our parents behave, and as kids assume that is how to be in the world. We listen to pastors or priests at church. And again, as kids, take what they say as gospel, pun intended. We watch TV or social media and again get an impression of what the world is like and what the rules and expectations are from those. Then as we get older, we may debunk some of those things. But the deepest rooted beliefs are already embedded. They make up our model of the world. And our model of the world is what we believe is true. However, there is no such thing as one true model of the world. Unlearning is the process of uncovering the beliefs that are running us and then choosing to change them to something that will serve you better. An example could be A family has to be a man and a woman with children. I was given that belief as a child by being in a family unit like that, by the church and by the media. For me, this wasn't a deeply fixed belief, so it shifted over time to some degree. I was able to value other families that looked differently. But when it came to my own family, my daughter and me, As a solo parent, for a long time, I felt that the situation wasn't, quote unquote, good enough. It took a lot of introspection and coaching work to realize that this feeling of not good enough was created by my model of the world, that a single mom isn't enough. Having uncovered this belief, I've been able to unlearn it, and my home life and relationship with my daughter is so much better off. So if you haven't listened to episode one, or perhaps you have and need a reminder, this podcast will follow a single client through my six-month one-to-one coaching program, Becoming Wild. Becoming Wild is the process of freeing ourselves from limiting beliefs to really internalize our own wholeness, to know that we matter and that we can create our own rules for how to live life that will be fulfilling and supportive. And it's my hope that as you listen along to the deconditioning process, you too will become a little bit wilder. 
The questions I ask my client are things that you can ask yourself as well, and I'll include prompts for you in the show notes. Powerful questions that will support you in doing this work on your own. The program is two sessions a month, and each month we tackle a different theme. This month's theme is unlearning, so you'll get two episodes on the theme of the month. This is the second one, and then an interview with a wild woman, someone who is a great example of having done their deconditioning work and living authentically. That will be episode three. So today I'll share some of my second coaching session with Lou. We'll be doing some unlearning around what it means to be a woman, among other things. But first, let's see what wild questions have arrived in my inbox today. S writes, Dear Emma, I'm in a perpetual spiral. I feel like I'm failing in my chosen industry that no one likes me or wants to hire me, that I always choose romantic partners who choose someone else. I know that what I tell myself isn't helpful, but how do I stay in what is real? Thank you for writing S, and I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling this way. You're right to focus on what you're telling yourself. I see a few clues in your email that you're choosing drama over data, as I would put it. When we use definitive words like no one or always, that's our clue that we're in a story. We're telling ourselves something that probably isn't true. You say no one likes you. But is it really true that no one likes you? Can you think of anyone who does? To stay in what is real, it helps to examine your negative thoughts and look for evidence to the contrary. No one likes you, you say. Think of at least three people who do. What's the real story here? If you're feeling like no one likes you, it suggests that you aren't liking yourself very much at the moment. Generally, when we're telling ourselves unhelpful stories like this, a combination of inquiry, understanding what the story is that we're telling ourselves, and turning it around, and some self-love can really help. I know self-love is something that a lot of people have a difficult time with, but just begin by trying to speak to yourself as you would a dear friend. What would a dear friend of yours tell you in this situation? What would a dear friend of yours do for you in this situation? Try doing that and see if you feel a little better. There's a book that I would highly recommend to stay in what's real and to help to examine your stories. It's my number one coaching book of all time, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I use her tenets in my coaching all the time. She's such an inspiration. So I'll put the details of that in the show notes and I would highly recommend getting a copy and beginning to practice loving what is. Okay. Thank you so much, S. And again, do write again if this hasn't landed for you or if you have more questions. 
Sending you lots of love. So now, on to our coaching session. Let's dive in. How are you today? I'm good. All right, so let's dive into the homework then. I sent you a few prompts. Mm-hmm. I think they were women are, mm-hmm. as a woman I am, and as a woman I would like to be. Mm-hmm. So how were those for you? I liked it a lot. And it also, I just did it this morning and what's happened this morning has also really highlighted some of what it is to be a woman and at what I would like as a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was struggling to find private space to do this call because mm-hmm. my son is home from college. My daughter is out of school as well. And my husband works from home and I don't have a room of room of my own. Mm-hmm. As uh, Virginia Woolf has said, we all <laughs> need. And in just trying to like explain that to my husband, he's like, what do you mean? You, you know, you can take any space you want. And I'm like, yeah, I can pick up my stuff and move into a space. I can take my laptop and my notebooks and my workbooks and my pens and my pencils and all my stuff anywhere in the house that I want, but I don't have a place that I can go that already has my stuff Mm. and that I can close the door. My son was wanting to move around and stuff. And he's like, can you just do it in the living room? And I was like, yeah, okay. I can set up in the living room. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. I can't be coached when I'm sitting in the middle of the house and just tell everyone like, Oh, don't listen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel safe. No. Um, and so I've been really just in the last few minutes, just really thinking about what it means to have <clears throat> a room of one's own as a woman and how we don't have those kind of spaces at, for women like we do for men. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Traditionally, it's the man who has a study, right? Right. And they get to retreat from the family into their study. Yeah. And ostensibly, the reason for that is because they have to work. Right. Or they have to come down from work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or they need to be left alone. The kids are too loud and annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? You are the main breadwinner in your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll be transitioning. I mean, we haven't talked about where you will be coaching, but if you're working for yourself, you'll at least be doing some of your work at home. Yeah. That's definitely been, definitely been on my mind where I'm going to do this from that has a good enough internet connection um, that is, you know, private and not impeding anyone else from doing what they need to do. I guess it gets to that concept of how much space am I taking up? Yes, because one of the things you said was finding space so that I'm not impeding mm-hmm. others. Yeah. But what if it was okay 
for you to be the priority. Yeah. Yeah. And it is okay. I I believe that it is okay, but I like, it's, it's like, I always have to say it and ask for it. And Mm -hmm. I'm the one that has to always hold up the boundary. Yeah. And there's always going to be a kid or a spouse pushing against it, asking for Mm -hmm. something, asking for some of my time and space. It's like Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm always fighting for it. Yeah. And if I don't fight for it, if I don't hold to it out loud, then it slowly gets taken away. I have a table that I set up to do art on and the second I clear up an art project, the table gets taken over with somebody's laundry. And mm. so now it's just become a laundry table. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And would you like to change that? I would like to change it. I would I would really like to have my own studio outside of the house. I'm very clear on that vision. Mm. Um, how and when I can get there. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And what do I do in the meantime? Yeah. So in the meantime, so we show people how to treat us. Yeah. Right. So when you allow the laundry to sit on that table, you're demonstrating that keeping it clear for your art is not that important. Yeah. You know, and and changing the room that you're going to be in today for your son yeah. is demonstrating to him that yeah. your needs aren't that important. So yeah. part of this is is making a stand and sticking to it, mm-hmm. which is can be really, really, really hard. I get it. Yeah. But maybe it's one thing at a time. Yeah. What's the stand going to be for the next two weeks? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i not sure I will know what the stand will be until I get there. That's part of the hard mm-hmm. part, you know, it just mm-hmm. like reacting in the moment. Yeah. And when we react in the moment, we react from our unconsciously held beliefs. Yeah, yeah. So what's the belief that you're holding? What's the story you're telling yourself that is making you concede in the moment? Mm, yeah, that that my kids' needs are more important than my needs. Right. That my needs are selfish or um just not as important or um I should be able to to figure it out on my own mm-hmm. I should be able to work around other people's needs mm-hmm. and and I mean, even now that I say it, it's like almost, I can almost see where it's also sending an unspoken message to my kids that 
they're doing something wrong by not being aware of my needs. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's really what I'm sensing, but. Yeah, I think there's something around when we expect other people to anticipate our needs rather than us actually saying what we need. Yeah, yeah. We make other people responsible for our stuff. Yeah. Which then if they don't um if they don't like live up to it, then they feel guilty about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you may feel resentful towards them. Yeah. yeah. But then we're feel feeling resentful about something that we should have done. Mm-hmm. Brene, I I can't remember which book it is, but Brene Brown talks about resentment being our clue that we either haven't put a boundary in place or Mm. we need to put a boundary in place. Yeah. Yeah. And and resentment is really unfair because we expect other people to figure out what we need. Yeah. Yeah. As a parent, particularly during the pandemic... I had a lot of practice at this and it, it was something, it was probably my biggest struggle during the pandemic was, Mm -hmm. was figuring out the boundaries as a parent. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. I get it. I don't have a husband to deal with. So I do have my office space, but I have a child who, who wants to be with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of parents, uh, experience that in the pandemic mm-hmm. I, I met a lot of people's children <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, yeah in Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah exactly so let's think about this so your home is a place where you are going to have to increasingly work at least mm-hmm. for a while yeah you know if we think about this as the foundational year you're probably at least going to have to do that this year, maybe next year too. Yeah. Um, You are the breadwinner. It benefits everybody if you're successful, everybody in the family. So knowing that and knowing that you want to build a foundation for this year, what belief would you like to adopt that will help you to stand your ground in the moments that you need to more easily? That that my work is important. Mm -hmm. That work piece is is important, super important of like, yes, it's something that gives me a lot of satisfaction and joy and pleasure but it's also important work. Yeah, exactly. How does somebody who believes that their work is important behave? Um, they, they do their work during, uh, appropriate times of the day mm-hmm. during the daytime <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they set up 
the workspace that they need and they don't ask for permission Mm -hmm. to do, to set up their space or to do their work. Yeah. They just do their work and expect other people to accommodate to that. Mm hmm. Yeah. So would you like to practice that over the next couple of weeks? I would. Right. So the belief is my work is important. Yeah. And the behavior is, yeah, treating it that way. Yeah. And you said they do their work during appropriate times of the day. And I would say to that, uh, the appropriate time of the day is when you are best, when you are yeah. best able and resourced to do that work. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that I need to be figuring out for myself and not, uh, yeah. It's like if it's not during a certain time, then other people won't take it seriously. And I need to let go of that belief. Yeah, you get to let go of that. Yeah. It's one of the beauties of working for yourself. Yeah, when are you going to be most effective? Yeah. It's not 100 years ago, as we talked about last time, right? (laughs) It doesn't have to be nine to five. Yeah. Well, and right now, while I'm also with a day job, it many times needs to be at night. Yeah. And I, I think I've been treating it like, oh, if I have time during all the other things, all the, you know, meals and kitchen cleanup and, you know, practices and all the other things, then I I get to spend a little bit of time on work. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to choose to turn that around. Yeah. Um, And a lot of days I start early. I'll have like seven o'clock meetings. mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, that I should not be working until five if I'm starting at seven. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Get the job to work for you and spend the rest of those hours working on your business, which is where the future is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what you wrote Mm -hmm. about women are. Are you prepared to share that? I sure am. Cool. Okay. I said, women are strong, powerful, force of life, uphill battle for equality, calm, gentle, opening to life, connected to root and to self. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Is there anything there? that you would consider limiting? 
I think this the uphill battle mm-hmm. feels like feels limiting. It it feels like um, this sense of you know struggle, mm-hmm. and you know while yes, some of it is true, <laughs> we do struggle for equality. Um, I think that the beliefs about it don't have to hold us down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great realization when we call it a battle. Yeah. That sort of image of an uphill battle is, is tiring. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of back to what I was just talking about with this, like constantly having to, retell people the boundaries so that I can have the space that I need as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a belief that would make this more easeful? I mean, I think the belief is that it's not, it's not a battle for, um, people to, to see women and women's needs as equal and valid and a priority. Um, I think the, the, the belief should be just that, that, that is a given. And so we get to create boundaries. Yeah. That support these things. Yeah. Not that we have to create boundaries, not that we have to fight for it, but there is the belief that it is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this equality starts on the inside and obviously we, we need structures and, and, you know, laws, et cetera, to catch up. Right. Um, but I do know having coached a lot of women that you know the battle in the internal battle is still raging we we know that just talking about the conversation about home office space yeah yeah so so allowing it to become I don't know what even what the wording is but it's it's as you said knowing allowing ourselves to understand that we are already equal. Yeah. Um, And when we know that, we'll demonstrate that. Yeah. And it becomes less of a battle and more of a sort of reality catching up. Yeah. Yeah. How about the calm and gentle piece? Women are calm and gentle. My first reaction when you ask me women are my first reaction is strong and powerful. Mm-hmm. But I 
I think the other side of that is calm, gentle, rooted, grounded. And I think that that's a gift that feminine power and energy brings to the world. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have experienced in my life, oh, you're acting crazy or (laughs) you're out of control or I've experienced a lot in my working environment, a lot of, you know, quote unquote, feedback to find nice ways of saying no. So I've, I've definitely have experienced a lot of that kind of projection of you need to be calm, you need to be gentle as a woman. But I do also think that that is something that comes with feminine power. And it's, and it's a prejudice to say we can't be angry, we can't be forceful like a man can without being treated as a problem. And we can choose to demonstrate that we're comfortable in our anger and that may come with consequences while society is still catching up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what did you write for As a Woman I Am? I said, as a woman, I am learning, growing, rooted, connected, singular, alone, powerful when I choose, creative in all aspects, powerful even when I'm not aware, strong, resilient, and a piece of my ancestors. Some of these things I'm like, I don't know where that came from. (laughs) And also, I don't know if that's a bad thing alone, for Mm -hmm. example. I don't I don't say it in a lonely or sad way, but I think it's maybe more pointing to a need for more community. I wrote powerful when I choose. And then a couple of minutes later, I was like, I'm powerful even when I'm not consciously choosing to be. Mm-hmm. At all times, I, I am powerful and strong. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Even when yeah. I'm not choosing to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And what did you put for as a woman? I would like to be. I would like to be my own person. I would like to be in love with the world. Um. I wrote a leader, not a helper. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean it in this way of like, yes, I want to help, but I want to, I want to help people through my leadership. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a, uh, a doer that's doing help for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a woman, I would like to be honored and taken care of and in community. Great. 
in community. So when you say, I would like to be, Mm -hmm. for each of these things, how, how much do you feel that you're already there? If you had to give each one a score out of 10 Mm. for how close you are to already being there. So you've got my own person in love with the world, a leader, not a helper, honored and taken care of and in community. Could you give each one of those a score out of 10? Yeah. um, My own person. I would say that one's pretty high. I would say, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it might vacillate. It might fluctuate between 7 and 10. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where a lot of my, um, like that, that's where I, when we were talking about boundaries, Mm. I think when I don't uphold my boundaries is when I start to feel lower on that scale. Yeah. When we don't uphold our boundaries, we, we kind of give ourselves away. We give our energy away. I imagine myself sort of dissipating slightly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in love with the world. I'd say that one's pretty high. I would say like eight or nine on that one. A leader, not a helper is, I think, really kind of where I'm at right now in terms of wanting to grow that. I really mm. feel that strongly and want to be able to harness it more. So right. I might say like six or seven on that. Honored and taken care of. Feels pretty low. Maybe three. Okay. And in community. I uh, would say seven. That one kind of changes too. Okay. So, so then... My sense is that our big goals together are helping you to feel honored and taken care of mm-hmm. and transitioning into a leadership role with your coaching. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How are you currently honoring and taking care of yourself? Uh, I do yoga and meditation. I do regular body work, massage, acupuncture, chiropractor. I have a nutritionist slash health coach that I work with once a month. I do things like this, coaching with you, mm. taking care of my body. 
a bit of my mind, a bit of my spirit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like I kind of leave honoring myself for like a last minute kind of thought, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like tomorrow's my birthday and I haven't made any plans for it yet. And but it's, you know, this time of year, like I said, there's so many, you know, the anniversary, Father's Day, other birthdays going on. And it's very easy to prioritize other people's things or feel guilty and bad if I don't prioritize other people's things enough. Yeah. So what would it look like to make the work of honoring and taking care of yourself a 24-7 thing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 24-7? Yeah, it's such an internal thing, right? Of like how you see yourself and think about yourself and talk to Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That looks like really, really deep self-love. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How will you know when you're doing it? What will your evidence be Mm. when you are honoring and taking care of yourself? Uh, again, I don't know. (laughs) Um, how do you think somebody who honors and takes care of themselves presents? How would they come across? Happy, joyful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, energetic. I mean, like even... That's so funny. I mean, I, I see, I feel like somebody like that has more energy to spend on other people. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's about resourcing yourself because otherwise you get burnt out really quickly and you can't give. Yeah. And I keep hearing that and I keep like, yeah, okay, I've got my meditation and you know I'm I'm taking care of myself but it's so much so much easier to take care of my physical self yeah yeah it starts with the beliefs you hold about yourself your importance you know it's all this sort of how much do I matter yeah yeah compared to everybody else 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. This is great. (laughs) We can definitely get into this. Good. Can you think of anybody, whether real or fictional, alive or dead, just as long as they're a person, Mm -hmm. can you think of anybody who you respect and admire, who you feel really honors and takes care of themselves? Um, in this way that we're talking about, I mean, I think for sure, uh, take, take a minute. If you've got a pen and paper there, mm -hmm. take a minute to write down all of her characteristics as you see them and let me know when you think you've got them all. got some stuff great so look at those characteristics and circle three that you think if you really leaned into them would help you to honor and take care of yourself well one of them is strong boundaries that are communicated Mm -hmm. curious Mm-hmm. And I think she she has a she has a flexibility about her. She is like able to really go with the flow of what's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think those are the three things. Okay. So let's apply, we've talked a little bit about boundaries. Let's let's apply curious and flexible in the moment to yourself. Okay. How far do you think you're doing this now? About myself, I think I'm much more judgmental than curious of myself. Mm. I'm I'm just kind of now starting to become aware of the judgmentalness. Where do you think that voice of judgment comes from? Definitely family. Yeah. I mean, isn't everybody judgmental? Yes. (laughs) Everybody has a degree of it. I think 
I definitely see, um, I guess not so much anymore, but when I was young, I think my mom's judgment of herself was strongly influential. I don't feel like her main judgment of me was if I wasn't being responsible. Um, so it wasn't like a broad, she was judgmental of everything I said and did and wore and she was pretty, pretty open. Um, but I think, I think she was highly judgmental of herself. Mm. And I think that was subconsciously communicated to me. And my Mm. stepdad was highly judgmental of everyone and every, everything. Yeah. Okay, so one thing to start to practice is is noticing, mm-hmm. really, at this stage, how you're talking to yourself. Yeah. Noticing when, when that voice of judgment is coming in. Okay. How strong a relationship do you have with your inner knowing, your inner wise woman? Um, I can definitely find her if I need her, but it's not like she's ever present. Mm. Would you like her to be more present? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, and again, we're going to get into this. We'll have a whole session with her. Um, in the meantime, even having the intention of building that relationship even putting it out there should help a little okay you know she's there Mm -hmm. so how have you accessed her in the past um through like meditation and visualizations Mm -hmm. kind of led to her okay so you could try doing a few of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you could try journaling with her. Mm-hmm. Literally just almost like you're writing a play. Mm-hmm. You ask a question and then you then the next then you reply on her behalf. Yeah. See what comes out. Okay. Do you have any sense? any kind of visual that goes with her Mm, no not really okay we'll get there okay but in the meantime you could ask her actually you could journal with her and say what can I use what visual can I use to remind me of you Mm -hmm. to remind me that you're there okay and see what she tells you Because ideally, and and we will be working on this, what we're going to do is characterize both of those voices. Okay. We'll characterize the critic, the voice of judgment, and we'll characterize the mentor, the inner wise woman, so that you can recognize both of them and we can dial up 
the wise woman and dial down the critic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, it, and in the meantime, just noticing when you're speaking harshly to yourself is a good place to start. Okay. Okay. So you also talked about being a leader, not a helper. Mm-hmm. Is this in relation specifically to your role as coach going forward or or does it have a wider context? I think a wider context. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've always kind of seen in myself um, an ability to influence through mm-hmm. um, like being a mirror to people yeah being being my best and most authentic self mm-hmm. as a mirror to other people and um um i don't know if i want to say inspiring but um for other people to see that they can be themselves also that they can make changes that they want to make, things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I think authenticity is inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sadly, we don't see it as much as we should. So where do you feel you need to lean in more strongly to authenticity? Um... I feel like I'm going through a lot of transition and change right now. And so I don't necessarily know, but need to stay open to this new version of myself Mm -hmm. and need to be kind of practicing, recognizing who this new version is, especially thinking about leaving the corporate world. I've been here for what I, I've been calling it two lifetimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, two generations, really, it has been. So I'm, I feel like there's a lot of corporate conditioning that needs to fall away. And what's left is a pretty new, raw, maybe not unformed, but it's like shedding a skin, right? And that skin that's underneath is is fresh and tender. And I don't totally know what authentic new person is there yet. Because my authentic self in the past has been very strong and resilient and driven and honest. Uh, I think as I'm saying these things, I think my authentic self in the past has been more heavier on the masculine traits. And I, if I made a guess, I would say that this new person that's emerging is going to be more 
is going to have more feminine traits and probably be looking for a better balance Mm -hmm. of masculine and feminine traits. Yeah. And how can you practice authenticity in the meantime in the not knowing? I mean, I think, I think for me, it's probably not knowing. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think I'm, I've been somebody who knows themselves very, Mm -hmm. pretty well. And so I think in this, just like admitting that I don't know, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. There's just unknown things and uncomfortable things. I think it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And modeling that you're uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. It's all okay. If it's true to you, it's all okay. Okay. What are you going to take away from today's session? Um... Yeah, I loved today's session. Um, Definitely taking away uh, some working to find this inner wise woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And boundaries. And really Mm -hmm. um, prioritize, like, it's not prioritizing myself. It's like just centering myself in the importance of what I'm doing to to me and creating boundaries around that. Yeah. Right. When you said earlier, reminded me that I am the main earner, like, oh yeah, I'm the main earner. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one that's like constantly moving my workspace around like what I don't have an office for the main earning that is keeping this household afloat Mm. so that that was helpful and and will help me with setting boundaries around my time and space good yeah 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 and we and we teach people how to treat us yeah when we say, oh, yeah, I'm setting a boundary, but you know what? That doesn't really matter. Yeah. You can walk over it. Yeah. You know, we teach them that we're not serious. Yeah. And believe me, I've done it many times myself. Yeah. yeah. It's not easy to maintain boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. That's it for the show. Huge thanks to my client Lou for her willingness to share her session with all of you. I referenced Byron Katie earlier in the show, and there are details about her in the show notes. Becoming Wild is a podcast written and produced by me, Emma Whittard. Special thanks go to Andrea Leader Wilborn and Jill Smolin. You can get more information about the show and other ways to experience my work at www.emmawittard.com. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and give us lots of stars. It will make a huge difference to the discoverability of the show. If you'd like more direct coaching from me, please consider joining my Wild Woman community, 
where I post new content every week and coach in the comments. And we have live coaching sessions every Friday. Or contact me to explore one-to-one coaching. If you have a question about what we covered today or anything else you'd like some support over, you can email me at info at emmawittard.com, subject line wild questions, and I might just respond on the show. You'll be anonymous, of course. All of this information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. You matter. What you do matters. And when a woman truly knows that, she changes the world. See you next time on Becoming Wild.